0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are once again live, not at the Bear Cave Studios. And we're not necessarily a two-man team tonight. This is the Devil's Advocate, Rob Payne himself, with my
1: co-host, Blackbeard, the Encyclopedia. Gentleman, over ten years ago, on a baseball field, I needed someone I could trust, and then I saw you, the Devil's Advocate, Rob Fain in the ball for the base hits while you were stuck in the shadows. If it wasn't for me, you would still be nothing. Early on it was simple. Sit on the bench next to me, help me manage the team, watch, and be there when I needed you. And when the team was slumping, you became our only star in the playoffs, and then you walked away. Let's be real here, the team knew who the real leader was. And then you came on this show, as I gave you an opportunity. And you win! I plucked you out of obscurity and put you in the spotlight, and you took that opportunity and became the sports-friendly podcast sold-out world champion. That should have been me! That should have been me getting my hand raised. You got what you wanted, and from that point on, I was known as your sidekick. I'm no one's sidekick. The only person's back I should be having is my own. You said there was no one left. How about me? I brought you into this world, and now... I take you out of it when I become sports Frenzy podcast sold-out champion. In about two years when you stop making picks for a long time and I get a chance to catch up. <laughs> that was really good.
0: <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and you're never going to catch me, so forget it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's why I added the two years when you stop making picks for a long time.
0: And we are supposed to be joined by Mr. Aloso at some point. So that's why I said we're like a 25 band crew tonight, I guess. Come on at some point. normally, at this point, I would do my uh, birthdays and deceased wrestlers, and we're going to start off with that because we've had a, a several significant deaths this week, unfortunately. Let's start off uh, by talking about beautiful Bobby Eaton. Uh, that one hurt, I have to say, um, as someone who followed Crockett promotions mid-south, uh, all those years. Um, I always you know Bobby Eaton's one of those guys where he was never in the forefront but he was always there and you know we're talking Midnight Express all you know the different variations of the Midnight Express Dennis Condry, Stan Lane moving right over to the Dangerous Alliance with with uh, Arn Anderson and then Anthony was saying earlier that he was most familiar with them with the Blue Bloods and again that was you know I think they were underrated at the time. I think it was very, their vignettes were very funny when you were trying to take this Southern man and make him English royalty. And uh, I, I think they missed the, the ball with that team. I think they could have went further and uh, you know, they just didn't get it. But you know, the man was a legend 25 tag team championships in his career, not including all of the single championships he held a um, couple of, Stories I just want to add, and then if Anthony has any thoughts, you can throw them in on top. Um, if you don't know the story about his wife, unfortunately, he lost his wife. His wife died a month ago, so this is doubly sad for his poor daughter. But um, he married Bill Dundee's daughter. All right, and Bill Dundee is a famous wrestler too from the Memphis area, also managed um, William Regal for a spell in WCW. And Bill Dundee was dead set against his daughter ever marrying a wrestler, even dating a wrestler. And they had to hide it from him for a long time. And when he finally found out, he blew a gasket. And he said, "What the hell is the name of this guy you're going out with?" And she said, "Bobby Eaton." And he went, "Oh, okay, yeah, you can date Bobby." And and that's just the way he was. If you've read Stone Cold's book, uh, if you've read Mick Foley's book, David, nothing but nice things to say about the man. Right. You can't find anybody to say anything bad about the man. And he was always playing a heel. I mean, he was never rarely was he ever a good guy. Right? It was always the heel. But try to find somebody to say bad things about the man. And I know he's been having health issues over the last couple of years, and I was hoping that, you know, it wouldn't end the way it did, but unfortunately, you know, we lost him. So goodbye to a great wrestler. And a shame that he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't understand that. The Midnight Express should be in the Hall of Fame they should have went in with the rock and roll express last year. And I guess with the whole people are speculating that Jim Cornette is the reason why he's not. And I think that's a shame.
1: Another great one gone from this world. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of guys in the wrestling industry respected him, looked up to him, wanted to be like him. And he wasn't the showiest guy. He wasn't always the center of attention, but he played his part. And, really made a mark on the wrestling scene. Um, I know you mentioned most of what I saw of him was Blue Bloods um, when he was teaming with Regal. And I think I think at some point, I don't know where um, Triple H, back then Jean-Paul Levesque, I don't know if they actually teamed up, but I know that that was part of the plan. I don't know if it was all three of them. It um, was for a bit. They were a trio for a bit. Yeah. I saw footage of him as i believe it was he was teaming up with the with Stan Lane and uh Tom Pritchard uh and the whole Rock and Roll Express and Mystery Man Angle and Smoky Mountain with Arn Anderson and i think that's because it the uh, Arn covered it on his last podcast so that was the first time i saw that footage and i've seen some of his older footage uh in the 80s on the network i know you grew up with him so you would understand his value more than we did you know. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I know I was a little surprised when I saw it this morning um, because I was like, wait a second. I could have sworn something happened with him just recently. And as you said, his wife. What are we talking? A month, maybe it was about, yeah, just about
0: a month. So
1: it's it's sad. Um, At least as far as we know, he well, he didn't necessarily have the physique where you thought he abused his body with any drugs or anything. So. This is more of a natural death. Um, not the only one this week, but uh, it doesn't make it any easier. Still still died very young, I believe, 62. Yeah. Well, it's something about this industry. It, I don't know. And, you know, you mentioned
0: our second death. Um, we lost the assassin this week. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with the assassin, um, you may be familiar with Nick Patrick. He was a referee for many years. Um, he was the NWO's referee for a while. He 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 re- refereed in the WWE for a long time. I think he was a SmackDown more than Raw uh, uh, referee. But he also founded Deep South Wrestling. And Deep South Wrestling spawned people like Kevin Nash um, and the Power Plant. He worked at the Power Plant. Kevin Nash, Goldberg, DDP, The Big Show, all of their careers to The Assassin. 50 tag team titles amongst all of his and also with all the a singles belt he held. He was mostly known as a tag team wrestler. Fifteen tag team titles. No matter what territory he was in, he was always a, a top heel with various other assassin partners. Uh, he managed Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma for a spell in WCW. Um, you know, another pioneer of tag team wrestling. You know, just one of those unsung heroes. You don't hear a lot about him these days, but you know, someone that was very influential to the sport and you know deserves a mention no doubt might be a little bit before anthony's time a little bit before my time too he was more more popular in the late 70s and early 80s so i knew of him but i i can't say i've seen 20 assassin matches but i've always known their reputation as premier uh, one of the premier tag teams of all time
1: yeah uh, rest in peace jody hamilton um and While he might not have made the WWE Hall of Fame, he was actually in what might have been uh, the second Hall of Fame class for WCW, uh, rightly so. Mm -hmm.
0: And the Pro Wrestling uh, Hall of Fame as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that was the—and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Look at that, we're actually talking about Dave Meltzer in the positive light. Well, you know, talent cannot be denied. Unless you're in Vince's world.
0: Well, yeah. And then lastly, we also lost Burt Prentice, who was a promoter in US the USWA for a while. Uh, worked with Jerry Lawler a lot and his crew, Jeff Jarrett, and all those. He was a manager, a promoter. So, I mean, this week was a rough week. A lot of people, uh, you know, we lost a lot of people who are very important to what you're seeing now. And for you younger guys out there, you know, get out on the network and check, check out a Midnight Express match. A couple of them, you'll see tag team wrestling at its best i don't know how much footage there is about the assassin you know like i said he's because he's a little older but realize you know if you were a fan of nash goldberg ddp big show i mean they wouldn't be here unless he was there guiding them and uh you know Burt prentice again if you go on youtube there's a ton of uswa stuff he was in a, involved in a lot of angles there and they're us uswa stuff was crazy there's Crazy angles, crazy matches there, so it's always entertaining if i'm if I'm always looking for something just to watch that I haven't watched before, I always check out u s w a stuff because they've always done all the they they've done the a lot of crazy stuff there It was a really fun federation while it was there. Well, that's it for that <laughs> let's let's try to get on this more happier topics. Where would you like to go, my friend
1: Well, looking at a rundown <laughs>
0: not a lot of happy topics this week, that's for sure. Why like Cody almost retired? I thought that'd make you happy.
1: I actually like the guy. I know, me too. I'm only kidding. I mean, I don't think he's a terrible person. I think it's almost like he's. It's kind of like well, he's kind of like maybe the way the one-two-three kid was in the '90s, where he's kind of the barometer. He kind of gets in there with everybody and deciphers who could, who could make it and who can't in the company. But that storyline last night, I first off, is this going to be another case of? One of the few times Cody puts someone over, but he'll get that win back. I mean, we saw it, we saw it happen with uh, the late Brody Lee. Mm. You know, basically, Brody kept the t- belt on him while Cody went off to film. What was, that, what was that show? Go Big or Go Home or whatever that show was on TNT yeah. with Rosario Dawson Snoop Dogg and all. Yeah. I mean, is this going to be another case of that? It seems like he gets in the ring with basically a lot of the newcomers. And I guess his goal is to, like I said, gauge them and possibly help them get to that next level. But I mean, it doesn't always work out that way. What, have the, what happened to Anthony Agogo? You know, wasn't that the big yeah. match uh, just recently at the last uh, double or nothing? I don't think we've seen that guy since. Yeah. No. I don't think he's retiring. I think his ego's too big for that, especially at his age. I just thought it was. I honestly thought I was like, what is he got to try to come go through every legendary storyline that's ever been in wrestling, uh, defeat his ego? I mean, is that what this is coming down to? I, 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 I thought it was weak. Um, and honestly, while he did make Malachi Black look like a star, um, where is this going to go? And honestly, the kick that sent him through the table, it, it was such a bad jump. Like, he gets hit with the kick, and all of a sudden, a second later, oh, let me throw myself backwards, and I was like, okay. And then, I'm sorry, I'm going to fucking call you people out, you sheep. This is awesome, this is awesome. That match wasn't long enough to be awesome.
0: Uh, I, I have two problems with Cody. Number one, um, you just got your head kicked off. And now you're standing up and you're giving this speech like why wouldn't that wouldn't that have been better served to do that this week. You know what I mean like come out and be like you know I've had a week to think about it you know and blah blah blah. like it like he you know he sold the kick I mean he got kicked in the head and he got knocked down he got pinned right. And then two minutes later he's up giving like this huge speech. My other problem with Cody is I almost feel like he's always trying to prove to us that he's a superstar. Like, his matches always have to have the big spots. He's got to bleed, like, like you know what I mean? Like, he I, 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 don't need to do that. You don't always, every, his match just, he. I feel like he's always trying to create moments in his matches. And the one thing I, don't, I think he doesn't realize is that you can't create a moment, it happens on its own. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and if it's not, it's not. And you can't manufacture it. So I feel like every time he comes out, something happens that he's trying to set himself apart from everybody else. And I think he should rely on his wrestling skills and the storytelling to do that. Not these cheap spots.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's actually lost credibility since AEW started because of all this stuff he does. You know? Well, I don't know why he feels he has to promote himself
0: so hard. Right. Right. You know?
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: I mean, people love him. He should he should be he should be sticking with that, you know. But for whatever reason, every match he's in, it seems that he's got to have some kind of big shot or whatever. And I I just don't get it. I don't know. What do you think of this show overall?
1: I feel like there's a lot of issues with the direction. Like they're not sure where to go with this next pay per view. Um, I mean, we've had all this hype and build up and set up for Hangman and Page to be the number one contender, and now he's out. And it's Christian, who was feuding with the Hardy family office. So you're telling me in the next three or four weeks now that that feud's done too? I don't know what to say about the Whovi-Jericho match. Uh, Whovi didn't look good at all, personally. I thought he, I thought he screwed up a few times. Um, I know a lot of people thought it was a solid match but my I personally I just think it, it was nostalgia for a lot of people. We're once again approaching another pay-per-view and there's been there's very little direction. Where where is this all going? I feel like the only thing we know for sure is in, when we don't even know this besides Christian Cage facing Kenny Omega and then I'm assuming some sort of Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Team Taz match of some sort. The only other match I could honestly see is a Malachi Black-Cody Rhodes rematch. So, Mm. what's left?
0: I don't have a problem with Christian slotting in because he's just holding a spot until Daniel Bryan or Punk comes in. So, I don't really have a problem with, let's get Christian out of the way. He's going to get his title shot. He's not going to win, and he can move on to whatever's coming next. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. And I think they want to hold off on Hangman because I think Hangman's eventually going to win. So the way you eliminate him is you beat him down, you get him. He'll be back, and he's going to win the title. I think he eventually beats Kenny Omega. So I don't necessarily have a problem with this angle as long as that's the way it ends. Um, I don't see how he's going to do it though, because it's one he he's either going to have to reconcile with the Dark Order or something, because he's badly outnumbered. Right. So I mean, it's something's got to happen at some point. I I see what you're saying though. Like now that like I was, I would say that Santana and Ortiz would be fighting. Um. FTR, but FTR's out for an in, in right uh, for a while.
1: Yeah. TBDF. So you
0: kind of lost, right? You lost that feud. The young bucks are going to have to fight somebody, but who I don't know. They haven't really established a number one contender to the tag belts. Miro's going to fight somebody, but we, we don't know who.
1: Oh, and then so, MJF and Jericho. You're right. It's AEW. They could very well not have Jericho make it through all five. All five. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, here's the thing. I, I this is what I'm going to say. This about Chris Jericho. He look he looks like he's in terrible shape, and every week he's looking worse. He's looking slower, and I you know I realize it's part of the fact that he's wrestling all these matches. But on the other hand, he's in really horrible shape. You know, he's always was he's always was smaller, and he looks like he's carrying way too much weight. And when you're carrying that kind of weight, and you're trying to do the same moves, they don't look right anymore. Like. The last time he tried to do the running drop kick, he barely made it over the top rope. You know what I mean? Like, he's either got to adjust his game accordingly or he's got to drop some weight. He just doesn't look like Christian. And Juvitud looked huge, right? I mean, Juvitud was always a stick figure, and he looked, and he was another one trying to do all the moves he used to do, and he couldn't execute half of them.
1: I, I think it was funny when uh, Tony Schiavone basically said, I remember. He said something along the lines of how they were such great cruiserweights. Now they're kind of wrestling in the heavyweight division. And I was like, wow. Was that a knock on their weight or what?
0: Well, I mean, Hoover more than Jericho. I mean, we've been watching Jericho week to week, so we know what he looks like. But Hoovertoed, I haven't seen him. And God knows how, right? When's the last time? The Mexicals?
1: That's the last time I remember. I mean, assuming he still wrestled in Mexico, but it doesn't look like he Right. But I mean, I'm recently. talking about
0: when we've seen him, right? Right. It's been like fifteen years or so, right? so I mean he looked like a fat guy in a Juventude mask, right he looked like he looked like he ate the original Juventude Carrera. <laughs> I'm and look we all look, I'm not saying that I'm a great you know I'm not picking on anybody for weight like that, but like I'm not going out on the ring and trying to execute moves that I used to be able to do, like uh huda carradas and stuff like that, so you know. I I think you're right. I don't know how, you know, Jericho's going to have to pull out his bag of tricks to get through the next couple matches because he's got Wardlow next week, right, with MJF as the guest referee. I don't know what they're going to pull up after that.
1: And I'm going to be so bold as to say that we might see a repeat of Over the Edge 98 uh, where Vince was special guest referee, Dude Love was the challenger, and at the end of the match, Austin kind of smacked vince's hands for the three count the only thing is the only thing the only issue i could see with that though is i feel like that really weakens wardlow i don't I, and that's the problem wardlow's been built up as such a powerhouse how do you have him lose this match now i mean I, shenanigans somehow yeah but at the same time MJF goes heard.
0: to punch mdf goes to punch him with the ring or something and he jericho with the ring and he misses and he hits wardlow or something like that you know it'll be shenanigans
1: but is mjf going to make the count then how do you get that to that part I, they could potentially over oh, I don't know this. they'll work something
0: out, well, yeah, it, to me, it's already a little overbooked, but and I still think he's gonna have to fight Sammy as his next challenger.
1: that I thought made sense that that was so. a great that was a great idea on your part. I actually wonder if that should have been next, and then you move on to the to this one. but well, I mean, I, I look at it like if he gets this far,
0: you know, then that's gonna be the next thing. And that, that's probably the toughest one of all because they're that close. But we'll see. I mean, other than that, I thought the show was decent. You know, like I said, though, I think they're kind of spinning the wheels right now. I think, the, I think the, if Punk and Brian are really coming on board, it's kind of holding everything up. And I think that's the problem, right? Because they're trying to hold Punk off for Chicago. And then if they're going to have Daniel Bryan come in or Brian Danielson, whatever they're going to call him, it's kind of holding everything up. It's kind of putting everything on you know on pause. So you're going to have to kind of suffer through whatever is here until they actually show up.
1: I think it was Conrad Thompson that actually said, with all this talk about both those guys, he said, I actually believe that one of them is not coming. That for all this talk that he doesn't think they're both going to end up in AEW. And I thought, you know, I, I kind of see his point. You know? If you had to guess which one you think wasn't coming, who would you think it would be? Uh... I want to say Punk, but I think they've been too blunt about it. So I would say maybe Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I would guess Daniel Bryan too. Because it's still a fact. The Bellas are still in bed with Vince, so to speak. They're still doing work with WWE, and that jeopardizes it, you know? In my opinion. Yeah, could be. I mean, because, you know, if Total Bellas comes back, how do you do that without Bryan? <laughs> you know. Yeah it'll be it'll be the first case of interpromotional uh WWE AEW we've ever seen. <laughs> hmm. But yeah.
0: So the other the other AEW things, um mm-hmm. the rumor is that Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho is signing with AEW. I think what do you think about that?
1: I I don't know what to think about it to be honest with you. Um She's got talent. uh definitely say that much the problem i have with the AEW's women's division and this goes with AEW in general they rise somebody up make them look great right out of the gate and then all of a sudden they disappear for months and then they bring them back up and they might give them a run and then they disappear for months i mean we haven't seen hikaru shida since she dropped the belt in may she's been basically on dark and elevation nyla rose out of Nowhere becomes a challenger after, I think they built it up for two or three weeks, loses, gone again. There's something off about that women's division, so that's my only concern with her. Not so much that she wouldn't be an asset to the women's division, but are they an asset to her? I think that that's where the problem comes in. So wh- which is better? Do you think they need a tag team division? They got enough there to do that, but no, I don't. I don't think they want to go there yet. There's no you, There's no two women that are established as a tag team right now, and I can't figure out, too, that it would make sense right off the top of my head unless we see, you know, the Iconics
0: show up. And they, I mean, I tend to think that's how you put the teams together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I mean, you've got enough women now, you could put four or five teams together.
1: Well, and they did that whole women's tag team tournament a year ago, and then what happened?
0: Right, but I mean, it didn't lead to anything. If there were title right. belts, there'd be something to fight for.
1: Right. I
0: mean, I'm not I'm not 100%, but I was thinking, you know, that would kind of keep people in rotation.
1: Yeah, I, I guess my thought would be, start doing those women tag team matches now. Don't introduce the title. You know, oh, we're going to have women's tag team champions, and here's a tournament of a bunch of women we threw together into teams, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, the I, o- I, I can see that. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the only established team I would say, and they can't do it because she's still injured, was really Anna Jay and Ty Conti. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I see. I see your point. I, I I'm with you on that one. They shouldn't just introduce belts and be like, all right, we're gonna throw some teams together. They should start establishing some teams. Mm-hmm. It seems interesting how the men are all pretty clustered together
1: mm-hmm.
0: as like trios and, and factions. And the women are kind of just all running around by themselves. Right, for the most part.
1: Yeah. Did, did you notice um, the t- the the trio match that two of the guys were NXT's ever rise? Now all of a sudden they're 2.0, like 30 days late And I was like, and they, they still are meaningless. I mean, the only thing I'll remember about that match was the guy, You're Sting! You're Sting! Yeah. <laughs> Into the barricade. I didn't
0: realize that was them, because I never really paid attention to them as... <laughs> Ever, I so now that you're telling me I'm like oh wow okay I was wondering why they were making such a big deal about them, <laughs> but should they really? And now I now I realize it's <laughs> well, you know at least they're on TV. True. True. What did uh, the last thing you have on here? You I know you have the Max Caster rep. So, you know what's your thoughts on it? You think they went? You think he went too far?
1: I think so. Um, I know there was some. That said, it was a he referenced the Duke University uh, rape fake rape incident. Um, I think for me, and I I get he might have been going for TP, but the whole Simone Biles thing. I mean, where there's already enough media jumping all over her, and I know he was getting, it, he was probably trying to do it for cheapie. I just thought, really, bro, your raps are awesome without needing to go there. I don't think that was necessary. That's all. I think he. Was trying to get people talking about him and he might have taken it too far you know and he's it might be too little too late you know the media jumping all over her was kind of last week's news you know well you know my
0: question to you is what's too far where's the line you know i mean you know we saw not too long ago mjf you know give the kid a, give this a kid a finger Right. And we all laughed about it. Was that too far? Is our 9-11 jokes too far? Is rape too far? Like what? Where's the line? Like I I always, you know, I was thinking about it this morning and I was saying to myself, I don't I'm I'm a bad example for this because I don't get offended by stuff like that. You want to make a joke like that? If it's funny, like if it's if it's cleverly crafted, I might be like, wow, okay, you know. I might not have made that joke, but I appreciate the effort that went into making it. So I don't get offended by stuff like that. I'm like, you can't offend me with words. Like, nothing you're going to say is going to bother me. So I'm, the, I'm a poor audience for this. So I, you were kind of saying you thought it was over the top. Where do you think the line is? Are there certain topics that are just completely off for you that you would never want anyone to touch? Is it subject by it's subject?
1: It's subject by subject. Um, I, I just think the timing um was like I think I think it was lousy timing for him I mean I fully expected and even I'll be honest I even I questioned the timing of her Simone Biles pulling out of the team final after she had already done one event because I feel like if you already had some sort if you knew you were having uh, some sort of mental health issue and that's totally fine why did you do that first event i I think she inadvertently hurt the team there. I mean, they still got a medal, so they pulled it off. But I just I thought that that timing was interesting. And then I thought, and I'm surprised the media didn't call out on this. I wondered, was this really, you know, planned out to try to bring light to the issue at the time when it could be exposed the most? I wondered that in the beginning. I didn't think that was the case. I don't now. But I'm surprised I could see where some people might have questioned that, and that's exactly what happened. Now, for those of you that are wondering about the rap, I'm going to play that clip for you so you could hear the audio. All.
0: The of the chain, so Yo! The name. Yo! 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 Listen!
1: Yo! The acclaimed kicking ass for miles, make you claim mental health like Simone Biles. The side gal's gonna pay the cost. I'ma treat those bitches like Duke Lacrosse. The blonde say they the best, but those dudes are faker than a PCR test. And what's that smell here in North Carolina? Oh, wait, that's Julia's. Oh! You mean Julia's breath from all the croissants, right? Not right. And as I play that back, one of the things I think I thought was even in just as bad taste was the fake PCR test comment, which I was like, there's already enough going on with this pandemic and people being on one side of one issue on one side of the other freedom versus safety. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, their own body. I thought that was odd. When the Simone Biles comment was made, they showed Matt Seidel, and even he had a look on his face like, what the hell did they just say? Like, And it looked like a legit, not like a fake, oh, really, bro? It was more like a, really? You went there? So, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a timing thing. Isn't that the job of a heel, though? It could still be in bad taste.
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I look at it like, you know, that was that's his job, right? I mean, in the wrestling, we've had Nazi characters, we've had clan characters, we've had white supremacist characters, and you know, that's the, you know their job is to push the needle, they, they to 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 get a rise out of you, to make you hate them, so you root for the good guy, I guess. The way wrestling is now, every they want it more to be more vanilla. You know, you can't call someone fat. You can't call them ugly. You can't call them old. You can't really, you know, I, I'm wondering what, you know, what what's okay now to say.
1: And all of that, I don't necessarily have a problem with. I think the mental health issue right now, there was bad timing. And I think the biggest proof that that was not a good idea and was not approved was the fact that, Tony Khan has come out and said, I will be editing Dark and Elevation from now on because I can't believe our guys even let that through. That's pretty telling to me, if you ask me. He's not exactly somebody that's always trying to necessarily be PR. He's, try- he's usually defending everything they're doing, and he didn't defend this one. And this was probably, in some respects, probably tamer. But- well,
0: you know, I would argue that maybe this—he's getting he's tired of getting angry calls from sponsors. <laughs> so... On his own, he might have been like, "Oh, come on!" It was a throwaway comment on a internet show. But when everybody started complaining, he has to now do something about it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a tough spot for him to be in because he's gotta he's gotta respond to things like that.
1: Yeah, but so I don't know. I don't know. He usually makes excuses for it. Like in the past, this might have been, "Oh, well, he was just playing a heel. He was just playing a part." I mean, come on, guys. This one, and on a YouTube show, no less, on an internet show, he he actually went and said. I would cut this out and I made, and I edited it. We actually took it down and real re uh, added it back online without it. So I-, I think that's, that's pretty telling. in in my opinion, um, I mean, it's not like somebody getting cut with a pizza cutter and then a Domino's pizza commercial runs, right? <laughs> you know,
0: that was great. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. See, I think that's hysterical. I don't know why anybody, if I was Domino's, I would have ran with that. Yeah. I would have made some kind of clever joke to run with that. And I would have, and they would have been like, people would have thought they were awesome. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't understand what, what I didn't really even make the, how they made the connection to be offended. It's a pizza cutter and it's a pizza, you know what I mean? Like the only thing they have in common is pizza.
1: I guess the thought was maybe people now when they see a pizza cutter, they wouldn't, you know, that would trigger Oh, Domino's, This guy got sliced open and the match, you know, blah, blah, blah. I it's look, we're not, we're not in marketing. I mean, I, I, I guess Domino's feels like they have to be friendly. Uh, A lot of these companies. I mean, we see with WWE, they're trying to be family friendly because of the demo and the money and blah 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 blah. And I, I agree with you. I thought it was. I didn't even pick up on it until I think it actually. I didn't either. To be honest, I think it actually drew more attention to it because of the uproar.
0: Yeah, I think if they would have let that one go, or again, you know, sometimes you roll with it. Yeah. You know what kind of what kind of publicity would they have gotten? (laughs) No. I would have made a joke like, hey, W, next time you want pizza, call us, you know, or, you know, or, you know, note to to self, don't let our delivery guys carry pizza cutters. Or, you know, I would have made some kind of stupid joke and it would have disappeared two minutes later. Right. Because like anything else in news, it's it's cycles. So it would have passed. Instead, they made some huge big deal about it. And, you know, they came off looking kind of stupid in my opinion.
1: Wendy's does it better. I'll say that much. Wendy's usually fires back better. Um, the Actually, you know who should be the pit, most pissed off about this? Shaq. That's his network, and his pizza wasn't even the one being advertised. It was the competitor.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's little season, uh, Papa right? John's. Papa John's. I don't eat any <laughs> of that crap, so I don't
1: know. One of the benefits to me moving into the middle of nowhere, New Jersey, <laughs> none of those pizza chains are within 15 minutes of me, and I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, so you're very lucky <laughs> all right well overshadowing all the you know earlier we had just as pretty much as we went off the air last week i think almost the very next day we had a few other things happen uh, we had a couple of releases right come some big releases um the first one being bray wyatt so what what are your what's your thoughts on letting him go
1: I mean, they're saying budget cut. I got to agree with that. I mean, now would have been the perfect time to bring him back, especially, uh, the, you know, there's talk that USA and Fox are really not happy about that. I don't know that USA and Fox really pay that much attention, but in USA's case, I could almost see it right now because what are they hyping on Raw on every other commercial break? It's a new horror TV show starting in October. And you have The Fiend. That would have been perfect. And The Fiend going up against Alexa Bliss, who... Her sidekick is a mentally deranged doll. There's so much tie-in they could do there. So I could see where USA Network will get upset. But I, I suspect this might go the way of Samoa Joe. It's going to end up being a case where he'll be back for probably less money.
0: You know, I, I'm going to come at this at a, at a different angle, right? You're a, you're a network, and you've purchased WWE and their catalog, right? And they're now they're starting to release all the name talent that you bought into. They're not releasing um some you know Joe Blow nobody. They're releasing some guys that just headlined pay-per-views not too long ago. Your braun your Braun Strowman's, your Bray Wyatt's. If I I'm looking at them going, What the hell are you doing? What are you what are you marketing? Who are you selling to? These are named you're you're set you're basically Handing them over to to your competition. I would be concerned about that. What the hell are you doing? You know, it's one thing to to let Murphy go, because who the hell knows who Murphy is other than me and you, right? Some hardcore wrestling fans. Many people know who Bray Wyatt is, right? And many people will tell you he's been misused the entire time they've had him. I think they've blown every angle they've ever had with this guy. Every time he's gotten momentum, every time they've done something, they've turned around and, and, for whatever reason, stopped pushing him, took him off TV, whatever the case. So if, if I'm, you know, uh, Peacock, I'm wondering what the hell's going on. Right. Because they're getting rid of all their name talent. I mean, and then on top of that, we had Ric, Ric Flair released. Now, I mean, come on. Ric Flair is on like television commercials. Ric Flair is like a cultural phenomenon. Right. I mean, you go to you see people in locker rooms doing the, the woo. We, you and I went to an independent show and every time somebody chopped somebody, what did they do? Right. I mean, he's he is wrestling. And released him in a, in a very public way. I mean, he, he you know, let him go. You you gotta wonder what's the story? What's going on? You know, I I they keep telling you how well they're doing, right? How they're ma- making a lot of money, but then they're letting people go left and right, not only wrestlers but staff.
1: What's going on? Well, first I'm gonna say if you if I'm Peacock and I actually contact WWE or put out the feelers that hey you let Bray Wyatt go, my answer to them would be like okay you have a problem with us releasing Bray Wyatt. How about you stop cutting all our footage? I mean, really? You want to be talking about cutting footage that might be offending people? The Fiend character scares the shit out of kids. And that's okay. But some of this other stuff, oh, it doesn't age well, we're going to cut it out. And some of it we feel like has been tame, you know? So, I I, I don't know. In the Ric Flair's case, he's basically come out and said that, you know, they made him who he is today. There's no ill will and what have you. It... It came down to I believe it was business dealings. He wanted to do had some business ventures he wanted to get involved with. They didn't agree with it, so he said, okay, let me go. So I if anything, I would commend WWE for not keeping him under contract just to control him if they're not on the same page. Cause and that goes for some of these people that have asked for the releases and gotten it recently. That wasn't WWE stands for a long time. They used to keep these guys under wraps, you know. Especially when AEW came out. It was like they were keeping people just to keep them from going to AEW. You know, So I don't have a problem with the releases. I have a problem with who they're releasing at times. But if it comes down to a budgeting issue, and this happens in sports all the time. um, We're seeing it happen. uh, For those of you that are soccer fans, uh, Messi from FC Barcelona. They thought it was a done deal. He was coming back. He's not. There was some issue with the salary cap in La Liga, for example, and they couldn't work out the numbers. They were going to have to transfer players to make up those numbers and what have you. It's it's across the board in the sports world there, and I know the sports entertainment, but they are a lot of these places are looking at spending now. The reason why WWE gets some flack for it is because supposedly they had record breaking profits. I think they had record profits for the pandemic. However, I think a lot of that was because they made some of the moves they did. It's business. I can't fault. I don't fault them for that. It sucks for the people that were involved. But if it comes, maybe uh, let's see what happens with Bray Wyatt. Here's the thing I'll say about Bray Wyatt: that fiend character. As many times as they might have screwed it up, as many times as they might have screwed Bray Wyatt up, he goes to another company. What kind of character is he going to play? is it just going to be a rehash of what he's already done? And then it's like, oh wow, big deal. We've already we've already seen this, you know?
0: From what everybody has been saying, he's extremely creative. And he'll come up with something else. And if you think about it, he started out as Bray Wyatt, right? And then he moved to the Fiend. And then he moved back to Bray Wyatt, but wearing the sweater and kind of being like the Mr. Rogers. So, I mean, in the time he was there, he had three, different,
1: three completely
0: different characters.
1: The Fiend came as part of the Firefly Funhouse, though.
0: Right, but I mean, my point is, he's different looks. Mm-hmm. Right? The man can do an interview, the man can wrestle. Like you said, I don't, well, I don't think it's such out, a big deal that out, they release out, people...
1: He can do an interview. He's definitely a character. He's definitely charismatic. I don't recall hearing anybody talk about any of his matches that they're going to go back and watch. In fact, a lot of the times I remember people saying he had the worst match on the card. Why do people love this guy? Because of his interviews. But you just said he was a good wrestler. I, would, I wouldn't I would necessarily go that far.
0: Well, I, he's not the worst wrestler you've ever seen.
1: Well, well yeah, right? I know. No, nobody compares to your skills for that. So.
0: Well, you know, I'm not a wrestler. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, My point being, if you'd let me finish. No. (laughs) Okay. Um, It's not that they are releasing it. Like you said, it's who they're releasing. There are less talented people on the roster that still have jobs. And there's a guy like him who you could do things with, who could play a face, could play a heel, who's being released. And you know, he's going to get scooped up somewhere else. I mean, Freddie and I were going back and forth about maybe him being the leader of the Dark Order. You know? It would be a natural fit. I mean, especially with the the link he has with Brody. I mean, he could come right in and, you know, and say, make up some kind of whatever. You know, I mean, someone with that kind of creative output is not someone I'd want to put in the hands of my enemies or my competition. So it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't really don't see where – I mean, a few months ago where – Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe a year or so ago, they were signing people a contract so they wouldn't go to AEW. And now it seems like they could care less. You're, we're done with you. Go wherever you want. But what's that doing to their, to their product? Are they not worried about what their product looks like? I mean, you're, you're running out of time with some of these guys. Your Randy Orton's are going to start retiring. AJ Styles wants to retire. You really don't want to get stuck with a roster full of almost – And, you know, a few other guys who can't wrestle a damn, right? This is what you're going to end up with.
1: Look, let's be honest. In the 80s, there wasn't that many guys on their roster that really lit your fire. You know, let's let's be honest here. (laughs) But
0: right. But I mean, things being the way they are now with AEW coming up as competition. I mean, I would say um, to me, I'll say before I say again, AEW, they look like they're having fun. And maybe they're having a little too much fun at times. Maybe they need to be reined in. But, again, I'll still give them – they're still only three years old. They're still trying to work it out. I still don't think they have that one guy who could say to Tony Khan, no, this isn't working. You know what I mean? Like, we need to rein some of this in here and there. Like, I don't like this. These guys are going off in the roll. Like, this Max Caster thing may be something that they need to find somebody who's going to say, you know what? Stop. We're going a little too far in this direction. We need to, try, you know what I mean? They're putting another, they're, to me, they're putting a, a lot out. Like, I no, don't think they need another show. But they're putting out another show, right? And they're going to have Mark Henry and Chris, they're going to have a four-man booth. Oh, my God, that's going to be terrible. They're all going to be talking over each other. I hope they're rotating. Because if they're all four sitting there, it's going to be four guys trying to get in. I mean, three-man booths to me are bad enough. So, I mean, I think AEW needs to slow their roll. I think that's their problem. Back to WWE, I, I don't know what's going on over
1: there. What's going on over there is they brought a guy by the name of Nick Khan in to write the ship. From a business standpoint, he's not a wrestling guy. And that's that's why this is all changing. The other thing is, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but there was a quarterly earnings call in the last week or so, and Vince was flat out asked about, I believe it was AEW and competition, and he flat out said, they're not we're not even on the same night, they're not competition. Why would he even say that? You know? The fact that they even obtained that question, I I wasn't totally surprised, but the, when he said that they were in competition, and he, the, you can find transcripts, of when he explained why, I was like, I could kind of see his point, however... I don't know. It's I, let's put it this way: if it was dynamite up against Raw or SmackDown, and Raw and SmackDown's viewers are going down while AEW's is going up, I could see the competition argument because they're on separate nights. In his mind, they're not competition, and I don't. Uh, you know what I mean? There's no way to prove that those people that they're losing on Raw are definitely going to AEW. There's no way to track that.
0: Do you think if they put Dynamite on Mondays that Dynamite would beat Raw?
1: No, I don't. I would I would think – I would say that Dynamite is definitely a better show. I don't think right off the bat they would beat Raw. I think it might take some time, and I think they would have to be bringing somebody in because WWE fans, even for Raw and SmackDown, they get used to and accustomed to certain names and – They'll only divert from that plan if that name goes somewhere else on the same, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it would have to be someone that's big now. And honestly, the WWE, and maybe this is part of their strategy, there's nobody that big that I feel like switching to AEW is going to, if AEW was going up against Raw, would make a dent. Like, a CM Punk might make a dent, but CM Punk hasn't been with them in seven years. You know? I I don't know. I. I don't I, I think unless AEW had a show going up against Raw and technically they do with the YouTube show, but you can't really gauge that. I I can see where Vince is coming from. Um I think it's the same and I've said this a few times, I think it's the same as what the UFC's done. They become a global brand. So they're not necessarily worried about what's happening in the US. And that's the other thing we gotta remember. Yes, we might be a huge piece of the pie, but we're only a piece of the pie now in the US market.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, I find interesting is that AEW is trying to reach out to like New Japan and Impact and all that. But it's not really moving the needle. And like diehard fans like me are loving it, but your casual fans don't care that New Japan wrestlers are here. They don't even know who they are. Right. Impact, uh, you know, we've seen the problem with Impact, right? They 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 shoot four episodes in a row. And so there's really no crossover. Because they don't work the same. So you got to wonder, you know, when there's you're saying you're right, they're not competition. They're doing two totally different things. And I think Raw is a like a Monday night staple, right? Just like kind of like Monday night football. You'll put it on even if you're not really watching it. Like his background noise, right? You'll, or you'll put it on for a while and check out what's going on. So I don't think there'll ever be a show you can put on against Raw that will beat Raw. Unless something like you got like John Cena or somebody to come to AEW, I think you're not going to ever beat them. Not, not in this, not in this timeline. Unless AEW builds someone who's like a John Cena or The Rock who transcends wrestling, which they don't have.
1: Yeah, well, so. and those stars that transcended wrestling, um, like you mentioned Cena, you mentioned Rock. Uh, we had Stone Cold. Those guys, and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even necessarily lump seeing in there because I think the audience was already there. Rock and Austin brought a lot of those fans in. And while the viewership has gone down over time, the fans that are still hooked on Raw and SmackDown as being the two best shows out there, which we know that's not usually the case, they've been accustomed to it because of that big name that's out there. AEW doesn't have it. And look, we've been saying it for years. NXT on a weekly basis has been better than Raw. For a while, they were better than SmackDown. I'd say it's a toss-up now. But why, when you see online, people over and over again saying NXT and SmackDown are probably neck and neck, the two best products in WWE right now, and NXT doesn't get that viewership. Why is that? Because, as you said, they've been conditioned for Raw and SmackDown, and they had that big name. I mean, prime example, Finn Balor comes back to SmackDown. Everybody goes crazy. Hey, guys. Finn Balor hasn't been at, uh, out of action for years. He was on NXT. How many of you were watching? You know what I mean. Samoa Joe yeah. was getting great reactions when he was challenging for the world title, especially against Brock Lesnar. Now he's on NXT. The lower ship's at an all-time low on the U- uh, well on Sci Fi, and I think you know they keep resorting back to the Olympics as the reason. And I'm trying to get that. Let's see what happens when they return to their normal channel next week, and the Olympics are over. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I totally, I totally missed NXT last week because I forgot it was on Sci Fi. I never taped it.
1: Well, and here's the other thing. Like we have this technology with our cable boxes that, Oh, Hey, I want to tape NXT on a weekly basis. Well, guess what? When it switches channels, sometimes your fucking cable box doesn't realize that.
0: Yeah. Mine didn't. So I had to fix it this week.
1: And and I've gotten burned so many times that I actually managed to remember and check just in time. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I would dare say, you know, people are saying, Oh, wrestling's in this boom period. I say bullshit. I say it's the same audience across all the shows. And I would love to gauge people on that and get an idea. Well, I think there, it's a boom because there's
0: a lot more Indies going on now and they're getting more exposure, not the, the big two are not moving the needle. It's all the smaller guys,
1: but those people that are going to the Indie shows, I could guarantee almost all of them are probably the same people that watch raw Smackdown, AEW, NXT. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's not, they might yeah. say it's pop culture. It might be pop culture uh, to a certain level, but it's not as it's not the most popular it's ever been. The most popular it's ever been was what, back during the Attitude Era, back during the Monday Night Wars mm-hmm. when the ratings were through the roof and there were so many millions of people watching. Right now I feel like it's the same audience across the board. And actually it's getting out of hand because I'm hearing several diehard wrestling fans, yourself included, uh, people that are friends of mine, people that I overhear or meet at wrestling shows that are all saying it's getting oversaturated. It's been oversaturated for a while. Where do you draw the line? Look, I'll be honest. We know I love NXT. I am glad Legado Del Fantasma is feuding with uh, Hit Row because that's about 20 minutes of the show I can fast forward through. It's at a point where there's certain segments that I see who's coming out and I've never done this frequently. I'm just like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Jump ahead, you know? Well,
0: feuding itself is confusing because they're both heels. No know that too and you know i'm like am i supposed to be rooting for the rappers or the
1: spanish
0: guys i don't like either one of them so i'm gonna like you said i'm gonna fast forward to the end and see who wins yeah
1: well i I didn't even go that far i didn't give a shit but uh and then yeah the whole thing would hit roll the only thing i the only guy i'm semi-interested in is the the big guy because he was on the most treasured show top dollar yeah top dollar because he was on wwe's well, most wanted treasures. Otherwise, I could care less about anybody in those matches or shows, and even him, I could, I could care very little about. Um, and actually, Hit Row is not a hit. If you go and look at the quarterly breakdowns that some of the dirt sheets are posting, their segments quite often are the lowest segments on the show. And I'm like, you're dedicating this much time, and you put the North American title on Zayus Scott Swerve for what? Because they're a hit. They got some hit podcast.
0: Yeah, I
1: don't know. Anyway, all right. Well, we all gave right. Freddie a chance. He's abandoned us. So the, maybe, the, maybe the bear has gone into hibernation a little bit early right now. So um, let's talk about our top five AEW stars during what I'd like to call the Jacksonville era. But uh, there was a blip with Atlanta in there, we'll call it, during the pandemic. So um, I think this will be quick. But first off, Rob... Do you have any honorable mentions here? Because I could tell you, me personally, I could have had a top 10 list easier than a top five.
0: Yeah, my, uh, one of my honorable mentions is Orange Cassidy. And I'll tell you why. I thought he had a lot of momentum in the beginning of the pandemic, but lately he's not doing anything. So I think he's, he's lost a lot of the momentum he had. So whereas I would have included him on my list six months ago, not, not right now. He was really my only, I think, let me see, one. Yeah, he was my only honorable mention.
1: Okay. I had quite a few. Um, Orange Cassidy was one of them because I thought he really came out of nowhere. Um, You know, for a while I thought it it was kind of a joke. Uh, I thought he wasn't very entertaining at all, and actually he really became entertaining, and part of it... Was because of a feud he had with somebody that's not on my list. Um, Spoiler alert there. Uh, Jungle Boy has risen to the occasion several times on and off throughout the pandemic. But that consistency is lacking. Hikaru Shida held up that women's division pretty much the entire pandemic. And where is she now? Um, I mean, I I was always captivated by her. I'm really sad to see her off TV, although I do like Britt Baker and felt it was overdue. Um, the two biggest honorable mentions, and I think this is going to shock some people first off, it was the guy that was champion for at least, I'd say about half of that pandemic John Oxley. I, 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 I know he had some great matches and some great moments. I honestly cannot think of that many. I'm going to go back and watch over and over again. Um, I think he's definitely a character. He definitely draws people's interest, but I just, I feel like, you know, it's kind of to keep things going. i I think he goes a little bit too far, especially with the extreme stuff. He's too—he's good enough that he doesn't need that. And then, uh, believe it or not, my last honorable mention—and it's more because of the time frame—because I thought he was interesting, even though I thought he was kind of relating stuff back to Vince McMahon too often. Um, it's the late Brody Lee. I thought he was on a roll, especially with the Dark Order. Uh, you know how he was abusing them and what have you, and became TNT champion. But, uh, and I, in his case, it's more a case of unfortunately, he was he's no longer with us, so he only made that impact for a short amount of time. In fact, I feel like we're celebrating and honoring him more than he was actually on their show. Yeah, so you want to start off with year number five, sir?
0: uh, yeah, these are really in no particular order, of course, um... not.
1: Rob don't do no rankings except when he's number one, the champ.
0: Well, you know, champ's prerogative. Uh, my number five is uh, Penta and Ray Phoenix. Uh, I love their matches. I love watching them work. Um, I think they're completely entertaining. So. Um, I think they're missing the. they got to get them back in the title picture. I think they're totally missing out on them right now. Um, they're different than anybody else on the show, really. And I know, you know, they're I don't think they're spot monkeys per se. I think that's just their style. Um, So I love them. So I'm, I made them number my number five pick.
1: OK, uh, my number five was actually a guy that debuted during the pandemic. I uh, was on the indie scene for I think it was like something like 15 years and even though his matches are not necessarily stuff that I would go back and watch over and over again, I just find him very entertaining. And coincidentally, his current tag team partner was one of my honorable mentions, but um, my number five is Eddie Kingston. I'm wrong, but...
0: <laughs> no, I like I like Eddie Kingston. He would have been an honorable mention for me, okay. I guess. I mean, I think he's entertaining. Um, And I like him better as as moxley's friend than his enemy i think they are two of them together are very funny
1: yeah i wish they had let them use something other than wild thing (laughs) i feel like that's too much of a throwback but kind of lame all right who's number four sir
0: jungle boy for all the reasons you gave i think um he just needs the opportunity they just haven't pulled the trigger on him yet but that's all right he's young he'll get there he'll be champion someday
1: And I, and oh, I love brother. his theme song.
0: Yeah, I loved it too in 1986. So what?
1: It works. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to sing it. Oh. So my number four is actually a guy we were talking about. Is kind of slowing down quite a bit. But it's because of the fact that he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's, he is willing to put other people over. Uh, he knows his role. He does it well. And that's... Le Champion, one of the goats of wrestling, Chris Jericho. I mean, would Orange Cassidy even been discussed as an honorable mention if it wasn't Chris Jericho? No. Um, MJF, this storyline, we're getting to a point where at the next pay-per-view, it's been, hasn't it been like a year that this has been going on at this point? And you yeah. don't even realize it, yeah, roughly. I mean, the only downfall, I would say, is the whole Inner Circle Pinnacle thing. They hyped this thing up and <laughs> kind of fizzled out already. But the two protag- the main two protagonists are still there, Jericho and MJF, and they keep finding ways to keep this thing going. And maybe that was their goal all along. We're going to build this thing out for a year. And they've managed to do it and not make you think, Jesus Christ, end this fucking thing already, you know? Take yep. notes, WWE creative. Mm. Number three.
0: My next set is the Young Bucks. I think they have reinvented themselves and made themselves five times more interesting than they were before. Um, I think they're great. They've gone full heel and I love it. So I'm going to Young Bucks.
1: And so my number three, um, first on my number three is the, is somebody who I, Felt was long overdue to get the spot that that person's in today. This person started off as, in a lot of ways, a white meat babyface when the pandemic started. And is now probably one of the top heels in a lot of respects. And it all started with a match that became so iconic, it became one of the top-selling t-shirts and pro wrestling tees, and that's our current women's champion, Dr. Britt Baker, D.M., D. and yes I did the pointing
0: uh, of course you did um, I actually have her on my list as well but not as my next choice I have Kenny Omega as my next choice Kenny Omega again went I think he played this smart he was tag team champion with Paige for a while Right, stayed out of the main event picture and then people started asking about it and now he is your multi world champion the belt collector. So, uh, and whereas I'm not loving everything he ever does, I'd like to see him win a few matches without some interference. Roman Reigns. Uh, I enjoy his ring work. So Kenny Omega is my next choice.
1: All right. Well, my number two is actually a tag team that you already mentioned and it's the young bucks. Did we ever think there'd be a day where I'd put the young bucks on the top five list? shocking yeah most hated (laughs) (laughs) look you know what hats off to them especially wrestlers who don't sell them. i mean they started off as faces they faced ftr and they really started swaying towards that you know kenny omega you know that whole storyline started last summer where he's kind of calling on them to join him but they were reluctant they did that slow build and now they're just so full-fledged heel that you just you want to i mean i don't but I could see where a lot of people want to punch them in the face because they're so obnoxious and stuck up and over the top. And they've really gone from being the humble, high-flying guys to being the smart heels, um, the obnoxious heels, the whole elite thing. While I think sometimes their segments might be a little bit too long, like the, like this week, I thought it was a little bit too long. They just keep killing it, um, you know. And the crazy outfits that they wear and the crazy facial hair—they've—they've really gone all in. So good.
0: And the uh, the references to some of the older, ref- like when, when they did the Shawn Michaels, <laughs> I love you yeah. and I'm sorry. and I mean, I love that stuff. That was great. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I, it, when they were doing it, you know what it was? It works when they're heels. When they were faces doing it, it used to piss me off to no end. But now they're playing the characters where they should be getting away with it. Okay. Numero uno. My number one is
0: D-M-T. I already knew that. You kind of gave it away. Tell us why I did, but she, because she is awesome. Um, she's easily the best women in the division. She's easy on the eyes. <laughs> she can. What What amazes me is what people do when they're not wrestling. And when she was, when she was passing Tony Schiavone, the notes by the clothesline, I literally died laughing. It was like it, like Bailey in WWE and like, Santana and Ortiz and like Britt Baker like killed it during the pandemic they and it was all about the outside the ring stuff they already all can go in the ring it's what they did outside the ring it's that extra you know like Sammy Guevara same thing with holding the cue cards I mean it's like whoever thought of these things like was really thinking outside the box and trying to figure out ways to entertain and that's what you want so Britt Baker was my number one selection
1: all right so my number one um i actually find this interesting because i thought with the wwe lists we did last week we were gonna mesh more so um but your i believe number two is my number one and that's kenny omega uh the aew world champion i mean i i thought let's be honest uh, the tag team title thing was okay but and he supposedly wanted to do that but i thought he was really failing to make that mark in the US market and now he's doing it you know the the man who's not from north carolina has become i love that yeah he, but he's just so entertaining he's so good i mean him and the young bucks they make each other in a lot of respects they play well off each other even when you know the good brothers aren't on there uh i mean this week they did it without don callis so you can't even say that Don Callis is playing that big a, a part of it. He helps, but they're doing it on their own, and it's gotten to a point where I'm like, holy shit! He and the Young Bucks both are all approaching one year as champion very quickly, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, get the belts off them! But at the same time, they're so entertaining. I'm not sure I want to go there. You know what I mean? But uh,
0: yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, special when they yeah, lose.
1: But for the U.S. market, they all three of those guys have put themselves on the map as top draws.
0: You know, interesting, neither one of us picked um, Darby Allen.
1: I, I like Darby Allen. I guess I could put him as a honorable mention, but here's the thing. I feel like a lot of his character is segments with, you know, him skateboarding. You know, they've hyped that up. Um, a lot of it is Sting. And honestly, I think a part of it is that he's, he, he's another guy that he's a character and he takes it too far. You know, like the Coffin Drop through the Coffin recently with Ethan Page. He doesn't need to do that stuff. Um, yeah, I I can see where you're coming from with Darby Allen uh, not making either one of our list. I just I was trying to give credit to the guys that really and gals that really stood out during the whole Jacksonville era, as I'm calling it. And while he made his mark, he was already he was already up there when the pandemic started. So I don't feel like he's gotten that much higher. You know what I mean? Yeah feel like he's leveled off. And not in a bad way. I mean, I could see him being around for a while and eventually being their top draw, but I think we're several years from that. If he doesn't kill himself first. Mm. All right.
0: So we ready to wrap we're it up? We're ready to wrap
1: it up. Uh, folks, uh, Freddy apologizes for not making it on in time. Um, so... Hopefully he'll be back. Can you apologize to me. Yeah? You apologize to me. Okay, I'm apologizing to try to cover his ass. No, he uh, he had other obligations. He was trying to make it back in time, and he was only going to join on it's now. Fine. I did try to encourage him to come on, so just just so we could kind of rip on him for showing up last minute. Uh, you know, the the whole centerpiece, the guy that started the show, and he can't even show up for two seconds for you people. You know, I don't know. I don't know, Freddie. I know you'll be listening to this but yeah okay and um, he's blaming his dogs he says I'll take my ripping next week
0: so I got a whole week to work on what I'm saying
1: you don't need a week my friend you are are on point (laughs) when you need to be and you will be next week Um, I actually would like to throw out an idea for next week and and I want to hear your thoughts we haven't done a watch along in a while And I thought it'd be interesting to do a match that I don't think all any of us have really watched, but it's a match that's getting a rematch in a couple weeks at NXT Takeover 36. I'm recommending that we do a watch along of the first Walter Ilya Dragunov match. I've never seen it. I actually downloaded it
0: uh, this week. I was gonna watch it. So yeah, I'm in.
1: Well, you can watch it on Peacock. probably have to commercials all right so okay so next week we're going to do we're going to go in a different direction we're going to actually watch a match from NXT UK it's Walter versus Isla Dragunov uh, kind of help help the hype job that they're getting for their big rematch uh, coming off at a Takeover in a few weeks and that's that's our show for tonight we want to thank you all for listening remember us we're sports frenzy pod on Twitter sports frenzy podcast on Instagram Sports Frenzy Podcast, available on Facebook. As always, we thank you guys for listening. Spread the word, feed the frenzy, and we will see you next week. In the words of El Oso, Peace!